It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on our website, FlowTrack.org slash Podcast. Joining me today, the owner of a brand new 76ers jersey, it's Gordon Mack. Good morning, Gordon. Dude, the new 76ers jerseys are not what I thought they would be. Uh, every year... Sixers fans get really excited about the new alternate jerseys that they're designing. And everyone thought they were getting the throwback 2000, 2001 jerseys, the black, the AI war, you know, that old, mm. uh, you know, the, the Sixers logo that they was a new design back then, but then they switched back to the old design. But no, we get this weird black jersey with the Philadelphia type and, but if you look at it closely, it shows a landscape of, I believe, uh, the Schoolkill River, or of like showing like, okay, it's like a skyline of something, but in the skyline, the letters TTP are stitched in between the skyline, <laughs> an homage to trust the process, and we, I mean, we're now trusting the process. We brought in Sam Hinkie's dad, Daryl Morey, to finish it off. We got the NBA draft in a week. Then we got NBA free oh, yeah. agency. And then we got mm -hmm. Sixers basketball December 22nd. So, I mean, this wasn't an NBA podcast, but guess what? We're now a month away from being an NBA podcast again. Do you think from a graphic design perspective that some of these teams get too ambitious? They try to put too much stuff in it with too much meaning instead of just making a cool, simple logo? Well, I think the thing is, typically when you make a sport logo, you make one every 25 years, right? You're like, all mm -hmm. right, we need to come up with a logo for a sport, 25 years of the logo. Now you're trying to make a new one every year. You're not, you're going to have some duds and you're going to have some <laughs> overachievers and underachievers. I think that's why they're always trying to reinvent the wheel every, you know, 365 days. So you're bound to get a couple. What? What did we do that? Remember that time in 2021 where we wore those weird ass black jerseys? That's what this is going to be. Yeah, yeah. So I I remember when Oregon redesigned their basketball court and then they put the tree in it, but then they also put all these other little symbols on it and they were different references to the person who the court was named after and it just was incredibly incredibly busy. One thing I did like about the 76ers recently, probably the only thing I liked about the 76ers recently was I did I was a big fan of their court when they changed their their court. I thought it looked really sharp. I appreciate that. That's it. I that's, all that. I, that's all I wanted you, to say. Uh, <laughs> uh Do you know what I was doing late last night? Uh you either on Sixers Reddit or you were crunching some NAU stats. Those are my two guesses. Uh, close, but not there. Was not on. <laughs> I was on Sixers Reddit, but that doesn't. That's not part of it. That's. I started creating 
my 2021 indoor track rankings. Oh, okay. I don't have them. They're think? not ready. They're not ready. But it's going to be hard because I realize I'm ranking people who haven't done anything. Right? There's been mm-hmm. no. There's been no track running. Everything stopped right before the championships. So it's very hard to decide who the top eight are in every event. But uh, yeah, um, Oregon actually might be pretty good. That was a little shocker. Arkansas is still up in there. NAU, craziness, might still be there. LSU is still good. The typical players are still good, but we'll have our official rankings hopefully sometime in December because it takes time to calculate it to see who's running, who's not running. I did notice some – one, like – I noticed you – know, you know Corey Poole is? He's a hurdler mm-hmm. for Florida. Hold he up, wasn't man. on the Florida roster. He wasn't mm-hmm. on the Florida roster. So that was the one like, oh, this was like a really good 400 hurdler who's not on a, a Power 5 team. So, uh, yeah, I have to go through every roster, figure it out. Are they running? Are they not running? It's 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 a little chaos, but we'll figure it out. Those teams you mentioned, those were men's or women's? Men's. Okay. Tell me more about or- – I know you don't want to get too much in-depth here, but why was Oregon such a surprise? Who Who – who are their big pieces here that could score them some points? Well, you thought James West was done, but he's on the roster again. James West back, back from the dead. I This guy was a senior when he joined Oregon in like 2017, and he's just been a senior every year. You just wish that Oregon would have like say, hey, we know he has like four years, but we're calling – so we should call him a freshman. But they called him a senior when he joined campus at age 22, and he's still on the roster, even though he's out there running okay. Diamond Leagues – you know, all doing all the stuff like roaming Europe, but like, hey, he's still a duck apparently. So that that was an that's like a big you know score, and I don't know. Oregon has a lot of good distance people. They have a good eight hundred meter crew. They you know so like, and you know a lot of the only people who left. Everyone is basically coming back except for notable distance runners like Tyler Day, Joe Klecker, uh. Car- Carlos Villarreal and a couple others. So that only helped really Oregon because they were getting a lot of their points in the mile 3K, 5K. And now it's just like they move up, right? Because there's not like new people coming in to replace them outside of Wesley Kip too. So mm-hmm. anyway, we're going to dive deep into that in December, I think. I think that's when those rankings will come out. And it's going to be fun. Okay. I'm going to be doing dual rankings. I'm going to have the cross-country rankings indoor track rankings this is this is my moment man i've been waiting for this doing two rankings i want <laughs> uh and, and you haven't looked at the women's yet i take it for no a- no it was a super it was just like a data pool kind of high level looking at it starting to go through rosters and be like oh okay it is manual so then you kind of you stop you look at sixers reddit then you come back mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know look at nfl highlights and come back stuff like that so Okay. Anyway. Well, the, the other reason we wanted to to talk this morning wasn't just because of, of the Sixers question, but because of the NAU question. You're on the NAU beat 24-7, and it looks like they ran a time trial yesterday, and they wore their jerseys. So anytime a team wears their jerseys, you take note. That's the rule. Yeah. Yeah, so what they did was uh, they were in Arizona. Apparently, it was 85 degrees, according to the coach, 
So running a 5K in 85 degrees, you re- <laughs> you normally don't do that, right? Like we think about like all the fast 5Ks that's so always in Palo Alto and cool weather, but running in 5K in 85 degrees is kind of something, especially in November, right? You're not prepared for that. But apparently what happened was they ran two races, Nico Young and Luis Corjalva both were pacing. There was like a, they were pacing a fast race and a slower race. Uh, the fast race mm-hmm. was won by Abdiham and Nur in sub-14 minutes. Corey Gorgas ran well. He ran, like, I think, sub-14.10. And then the, the slower race was in the 14.20s. But Nico Young, he was there. He did a workout as opposed to crossing the finish line. Of course, Mike Smith is <laughs> going to give us the satisf- satisfaction of seeing 13-something next to Nico Young's name. We have to wait to see what he can do. What do you think Nico Young will what do you think Nico Young's personal best will be in by July 2021? In the 5000? Yeah. I think he'll run 13:28 at Stanford or Peyton. Wow, really? Yeah. I think he'll run that fast. So like perspective wise like I think Grant Fisher, his 5K debut was like a 13, 1340s, maybe thir- th- like 13 mid-40s. There hasn't mm-hmm. been many freshmen to debut sub-1330. What makes you think he's going to be one of those faster debuts? Well, I didn't, I didn't say debut. I just said by the – you said you said by – Well, by, even by the end, yeah. And so you're saying end of spring track season next year. Yeah. I think I think he will be under 1330. I mean, he ran ridiculously fast last year in that time trial by himself when Rupp was watching him, and he had no help out there. I think he's better than these other guys were in high school, and I think there's also going to be a lot of racing opportunity. You know, if you're saying 2021, so I'm assuming we get back to normal racing situations, we're going to get um, a lot of opportunities for for him to race. So I could see him under. 1330 that doesn't to me that doesn't seem like a stretch um given what he's done at at the high school level already um i mean it's the thing is and your favorite word of these past couple months has been data points we don't really have what's our latest nico young data point it is that 5k right yeah and his 3k from indoors we ran sub eight so Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't think he can run sub-1330 next year? I just feel like that's quick. I mean, I was thinking maybe he's, like, going to run, like, 1345. But you're more more bullish on it. I want to know if – I guess he – will he be eligible for U.S. junior records next year? I'm guessing yes, right? I don't know his yeah. exact age. So he is. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to get the junior records. It's always, always confusing who has those records because there's a lot of people who've broken that record, but but there's a lot of people who've broken that record but have never got it ratified. So USATF doesn't really acknowledge certain people <laughs> who've run fast in the 5K. Uh, but yeah. is it is it who owns it? Is it German? Fernandez? I believe it. Has so he's, yeah. So he's, Nico is 18 years, 107 days today. He will turn 19 
not until July <laughs> next year. Okay. So he would have next year to do it. 1350 is what he ran in Portland. And that was with bad weather, not really good pacing. And before he joined a collegiate team and ran NAU, I think there's a lot of room to grow, especially in the, in the short term for Nico Young. That's, that's again, that's on the high side, but I think he can do it. You get him in a fast. So yeah, the- Peyton is, is back next year and we get the typical quick fields. I think he can run that fast. The junior record is 1325 by Fernandez from 2009. 1325. So you think yeah. he'll flirt with the, you'll think he'll flirt with German's uh, record? Exactly. Exactly. And he's the, he's the person I, I thought of. I know they had completely different high school careers and approaches to those four years, but he's that level of talent as German Fernandez. I think he's the closest we've seen since German Fernandez to do something at the 5K level that young. So what German did that at the end of his freshman year. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I guess I assume so. Yeah, June two twenty sixth. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then Galen Rupp has the three K record, which is seven forty nine. But it's outdoors. Which, I don't know. What I think now I don't know how many outdoor five K Nico Young's going to get in, but if you run seven fifty six indoors, I think definitely seven forty nine outdoors is a possibility. This is the this is the profile of a, of a person who breaks junior records. I'm not saying he's going to go on and make three Olympic teams and, and win gold medals. I'm just saying in the short term, he's going to be breaking junior records or flirting with junior records in in 2021. I'm confident of that. No pressure, Nico. No pressure. No, listen, the only pressure you should feel is from Gordon because uh, once you get on the real rankings and not just the COVID rankings, the weight of the world is pushing down on you. What do you... So you think something in the thirteen thirty to thirteen forty range? Yeah, I think he runs like thirteen forty one. You don't think he can be within really five good. seconds of German Fernandez? I don't know. I just feel like some. I mean, I mean, German was great. Don't get me wrong. German was great yeah. that year. It depends on what Mike does with him. Like, if Mike lets him loose, then maybe. But I feel like some coaches are scared to do that, or just like don't want to risk going for going for broke in year one. And I just think like Mm -hmm. his talent will take him to the 1340s. And then another year of training when the coaches let, Hey, you can go now. We'll let you, you will let you run with the big boys. We'll then throw him to a sub 1330. I don't know, but maybe, maybe he's so good. Mike lets him go for it. I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. 1325 is fast. I just feel like 1340 makes more sense for someone freshman year but maybe i'm wrong hey i just look at his 1350 from last year and i see that almost as an equivalent to a 1340 in good weather with good pacing performance meaning he could already have run 1340 and then you add in the extra year you're right all this is contingent on him being able to get in good races we should always say that because if you're not in a race you can't set a pr it's one of those facts of, of track and field but i think i think he'll let him I think he's going to want to run. I think he didn't get to run cross country. He's probably not going to get to run that much indoors. He may not get to run March cross country either. I think by by outdoors, you're going to want to let him let him go, see what he can do. Especially because 
this is his year to chase those records. You don't get opportunities to That's do the true. age group record. I don't, I don't know how important that is to, to Mike Smith, but it is cool to be up there to break a record that is held by Galen Rupp or break a record that's held by, by German Fernandez. He, he fits that profile. He fits the profile of somebody who can run that fast as a freshman. No guarantee about what his future is going to be beyond that, but I think he's in the right spot to do it. Tell me about this race that happened in Oregon. Hold on. I have one more NAU question. Oh, okay. Can I, can I do one more NAU question? Yeah, of Co- course. Corey, that, that, we're going to the other end of NAU's roster. We're going to the other end. We're not going to the heralded blue chip superstar, Nico Young. We're looking at those grinders, the guys that, that make NAU famous. I'm talking about Corey Gorgas. Uh, his name's come up a couple times. He, he ran well in Stillwater. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, he was. He ran okay, well in so, Stillwater. So is, is this is this a situation where this guy is just – good and, and overperforming the other guys or are NAU's typical studs in the middle not up to where they should be right now? No, I think this is just typical. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he it's just, I mean, I think this is where they expect their redshirt freshman to be. They expect a redshirt freshman to be 14 minutes to 14, 15, and then eventually – by retro sophomore year, they're running 1350s. He's basically on that trajectory. And it's impressive. If you look at his splits, he ran 1408. He won his heat, but uh, he uh, closed in 59 seconds, uh, which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. Closed in a sub 60 to run 1408. Um, so I'm sure he was pumped to break 1410. Uh, he beat mm-hmm. uh, in his heat, there wasn't anyone. I mean, in his heat was Cade Burks and Aldo Marquez and Caleb Easton. So he was kind of in in his own little category there. He, he wasn't going up mm-hmm. against Abdi Hamid or Ryan Raff uh, or Drew Bosley. Uh, but it shows, hey, man, if he's closing in 59.8 seconds uh, and running 14.08 as a redshirt freshman in November, mm-hmm. you got to think he's probably going to be in the 1350s range. Uh, and yeah, they're just going to have – I mean, you look at the they, – they're going to be able to qualify. They could have – I'm not sure if they'll make it to NCAAs, but NAU is going to have a shit ton of athletes in the prelims of the 5K at outdoor regionals. Like, it's going to be mm-hmm. – they're going to be able to put – I mean, how many sub-14-minute guys are they going to have likely? They'll have Luis. They'll have mm-hmm. Abdi Hamid. They'll have uh, Nico Young. I think Corey will get there. I think you got to think Blaze Farrow. You got to think mm-hmm. uh, Theo Quacks. You got to think Brody Hasty. You think Ryan Raff should be able to break under there. Drew Bosley should be able to get back to his normal self. Like they're going to have nine guys break 14 mm-hmm. minutes on their roster. And. You know they're going to be like the BYU of the 10K or the steeple th- th- that one year, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to be doing it in the harder event. That's no, no mm-hmm. disrespect to BYU, but I think a lot of times everyone like got really excited about BYU like dominating the steeple and the 10K. But let's be honest, all the the best athletes are trying to make it in the 5K. So BYU really took advantage of the margins to be like, hey, not everyone is like. 
Morgan McDonald and Grant Fisher and Joe Klecker aren't doing the 10K. Let's kind of find our spot in the in the 10K, and we can mm-hmm. get even more bodies in there. And same thing with the steeple, get even more bodies. Um, but if any of you is able to do it in the prime event, which is the 5K, that'll be super impressive. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking at his bio. I'm looking at Gorgas's bio. He was ninth at NXN. Didn't make yeah. Footlocker finals. Was was seventeenth. But just on the standard of NAU now, we talked about this last week. Of Nico Young, one of the best high school runners of all time. You have Drew Bosley coming out in his class, which was what one of the, he was one of the top three or four guys that year. I think we would have said if we ranked him. You yeah. you ranked him. You probably put him in the top three or four. Uh, Hasty I'm obviously two. had a lot of. Oh, you had him too. Hasty, did you have in the top two or three? Um, Hasty had one. It's yeah. It, it's yeah, it's to a point where a guy comes in, gets ninth at NXN, and I'm like, ah, man, middle of the road guy. Let's see if uh, NAU can put some uh, put some shine on him and get him get him up to speed. But most most programs would would die to have a a Corey Gorgas type runner out there. But for NAU, he just you throw him in the pile and then you let him go, and it's just because not only were they getting top five NXN people, but they were getting you're right top two or three people in the entire nation year in and year out. Like Corey would compare. be the, the, the number one guy on most NCAA teams as a, as a freshman, but he's like the number seven, yeah. eight guy on this team, which just shows like yeah. the craziness of any of you. Man, well, then I'm wild. using him as like, yeah, I mean, I'm using him as, as a point of comparison. It's like, is he good? Or the other people just running poorly? It's like, wait a minute. I was ninth at NXN, man. Give me some, uh, get, Give me some credit, and it, also, so it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising if he turns into a great runner because he's already starting off from from a high point, not not as high as some of the other guys on the roster. But that's a pretty dang yeah. good high school career. Nobody can say you were a dark horse in high school if you got ninth at NXN. It's just people like me who aren't paying attention to NXN results. Anyway, you want to know about the half marathon in Oregon? I know how much you love yeah, man. half marathons on bike paths in Oregon. This one not as interesting because Jordan Hase only ran seventy four twenty seven, and that's all I have to say about it. Why are they doing this? <laughs> she put the uniform on. She put the uniform on. Uh, uh, it's so frustrating. I get it. They're trying to get like a half marathon effort in, but like, if you're going to run a race on a trail by yourself, don't get race organizers involved because like it, you're not i don't know it's just like it's making you know like, what it made me think though you don't see patrick mahomes going out there to play like you know football in the in his backyard against like against nobody you know he just he's gonna play in the nfl and you know i don't know sorry i'm being yeah. i'm being i'm being uh a debbie downer uh it's just you know this is what we are. This is what we are now. There's top some of the top runners in the world in the U.S. have resorted to running on towpaths, you know, in their jerseys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in a jersey with the bib number. I'm looking at the pictures. <coughs> Excuse me. Right now, she had two pacers: Craig Leon and Eric Fine. No, just 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 a sneeze. Same spot with Rupp. There was a 180 turn out there because there's a good picture of her going around the cone at at halfway she said she was really cold and didn't feel like uh she could you know turn over any quicker 
But I started thinking about this, Gordon. Jordan say she's tuning up for something. She's running the Valencia Marathon in December. Do you think this could indicate that the previous person who ran on this bike trip path that you love so much is doing a marathon? Is does Galen Maybe. is Galen up going to a marathon in December? That's what I'm asking. What do you know? Tell us. Tell us. Are you going to do some reporting right now? I also saw I also saw the I believe Rotterdam, which was one of the ones that was still scheduled for the spring, has been pushed back. So there are so few opportunities to run a marathon. It may really just be Valencia, and then you gotta wait till the Olympics or the fall to, to get a marathon in. So I don't know. I don't know if you wanna wait. If you're if you make your, your living running marathons, you are not in a position to turn them down. Not a lot of them are gonna come up your way. So I just yeah, thought that I think that was Galen's in interesting. Unique, Galen's in a unique situation though, where I think he's only going to bother running a marathon if it's to qualify for the Olympics, to win the Olympics, to win a major or to run an American record. Those are the only four situations. And I think, I'm not sure if Valencia sure. marathon falls in one of those four categories. Oh, I think it's fast. I just thought they don't have the same coach anymore. Jose and Rupp. So I just thought it was a coincidence. Now they both have ties to Eugene. But I just thought it was coincidence that they both ran the same thing. This yeah. exact same I mean, setup. They ran it back. Will nobody end the podcast if he's running Valencia? I assume. <laughs> it is 7.30 in, uh, in Mountain Time. Unless they don't do, – do they do Daylight Savings Time? That's a $64,000 question. Keeping track of time in Arizona is the most confusing thing because, like, there's like yeah. one city that doesn't do daylight or one city that does mountain and doesn't do mountain. It's man, time zones in Arizona are all messed up. It is not same thing with Indiana. Yeah, yeah Indiana, Indiana's weird too. Mm -hmm. It's got two different ones as well. So I listened to you and Lincoln talk yesterday about the qualification procedure for NCAA cross country and you talked about a lot of teams that you think are are locks i'm interested in who do you think given the parameters now that we know which are vague they're vague so we know but we don't really know who you think could be potentially in trouble in this setup um all right moving on next topic let's no, see for your plans. i yeah i mean the the people who are I mean, it's. I mean, people who are most trouble are the people who typically qualify for NCAA's with like two to three points, right? So you got to look at name some names. Who are we talking about? I don't know. Like, I'm just saying in general. Princeton. The teams that are normally selected 25th to 31st by the Colas system are going to be aren't <clears throat> aren't going to look like they have that great of a resume when they're only running one or two races. Teams that aren't going to be screwed okay. over or teams that aren't able to travel to Florida State to run in one of their invitationals that they're going to throw down in the winter. Um, it's teams that have to stay in conference only. Those teams. Uh, are you trying to ask for a specific team? Because you don't know. You don't know what a school is going to allow. Like, is like I'm saying Iona's looking set. at your Iona knows. 
Like, there's teams that we know are fine, like Iona, because they go, like, hey, just do your conference meet and we'll get in. Uh, but, like, yeah, I guess it's schools that are three to five within their conference that aren't going to be given a travel budget. Those are the schools that are in the most concern. You know. So what like, I'm asking is looking at your rankings, looking at your rankings and going down on the men's side and the women's side, who's the first team that there's a red flag about for whatever reason on either side, okay, be good. it travel, okay. so, be it anything else. That's what I'm wondering. Okay. Look at the men's. Okay. So this was the pre COVID rankings. These came out August 25th. But I'm going to go with that. NAU's fine. BYU's fine. Arkansas's fine. Notre Dame's fine. Iowa State's fine. Portland could be in trouble. But because I'm not sure if Portland's going to be allowed to travel. They are in the state of Oregon. I'm not sure what their COVID rules are. Portland could be in trouble if they're not given an opportunity to race anyone. Because mm-hmm. um, Portland could be like, all right. Let's do a dual meet with Oregon, and we're going to do the West Coast Conference Championships. So they're going to get an L to Oregon and an L to BYU, which is nothing to be ashamed of because, in you know, random meets happen. You can get Ls to both of those teams. But, you know, they need to be able to race, like, you know. It's going to be hard because this whole idea of, like, who you beat, like, you're going to want to be able to race against – people who finished top two in their conference, right? Because right, before right. the game was you want to race the people who are top two in a region, right? But I feel mm-hmm. like now you want to find the people who are top two in a conference, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be harder to find maybe. I mean, okay. you, it's hard to predict, but I feel like Portland might be in trouble because they might not be able to travel. I feel like Oregon, Colorado, Tulsa's fine because if they run their conference, they'll win it and they'll be in. Oregon, Colorado, Stanford, I think should be fine because I feel like they would be like, hey, Pac-12 is good. Take the top three mm-hmm. to five teams. Iona should be fine. Michigan should be fine because I feel like if they're the best in their conference, they should make it. NC State's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvard, because is Ivy League going to let them run? They're, they could be a team mm-hmm. that could be in trouble. Um what place okay. did Syracuse finish? Oh, uh, at ACCs? Yeah. They were they were quite a bit down there, I believe. Let me pull it up. The men? They're yeah, probably the they biggest. So Syracuse men, I would say, are the most uh They were eighth. Um, eighth, yeah, oh yeah, so they're in trouble. Because they don't have anyone that they have beaten. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you looking at women? They were maybe? sixth. Sorry, sorry. Sixth. sixth. Still, that's, sixth. that's pretty bad. So I would say Portland, if they're not allowed to travel, and Syracuse, if they're not allowed to get to a, another meet. Um, so that's that's that. On the women's side, the um, team. Florida State's going to be fine because I feel like they're going to have all their invitationals and be able to race as many people as possible to get their team yeah. in. Um, maybe a team like 
Boise State might be a problem mm-hmm. because they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They might not be able to travel much, and their only race they're going to get is against a New Mexico and Air Force team that are pretty good, so they could end up finishing third in their conference and not making it. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Again, the Princeton women because of being the Ivy League. Uh, I mean, I think it should, in the end, all work itself out. Um, but I do think there are people who finish – if you finish fourth in your Power 5 – if you're projected to be the fourth best team in your Power 5 conference, those are the teams that need to be most worried because, mm-hmm. you know, top two, they're going to be like, all right, second in your Power 5, that, that's pretty good. Third, they'll be like, hey, it's a deep conference. Fourth, mm-hmm. they're going to start thinking like, hey, are you, are you actually good? Because if you finish fourth – you know, there's always that random chance you finish sixth, right? Because a point mm-hmm. here or there can happen. I think it's – you got to look at all of the conference rankings and whoever's fourth in the Power Five, those are the teams that are kind of the bubble teams that need to travel, I think, and hope that their administrations let them travel. Well, and then in cross-country, you have conferences like the Mountain West, which is a de facto Power Five. So you'd think at least – two to three teams would get in there. West Coast Conference, they have a lot of strong teams in it, maybe not as deep as Power Five, all the Power Fives, but certainly some of them. And then you start running out of teams here to get in if you're going that deep in conference meets. Yeah. I mean, one team I feel like is most in trouble, I guess the Oklahoma State women, because they didn't do well at the Big 12. I mentioned this. They get finished fourth in the Big 12 mainly due because two of their top three runners are one mm. was missing. The other one's not healthy. So if coach Smith was expecting them to be themselves by March, he's there right now. They don't have the resume to get in and they're going to need to, you know, put mm-hmm. go somewhere to race to get in. And I know Oklahoma state, I don't think is hosting any pre nationals because they don't want to mess up the course in the cold winter. So, uh, they're they're going to be hoping they can go to Florida State to travel, but you assume these Big Twelve ACC and SEC schools let the travel happen because hell they they ran a conference championship in the fall they didn't care so would they risk messing up their course if it meant qualifying their women's team? Oh, I think so, but they can't get to race someone. You got to find a a willing partner. Would I mean, you everyone is going to be everyone's going to be inviting the Sunbelt and Conference USA champions to every meet. Hey, Sunbelt champion, come on down. <laughs> hey, Conference USA champ, come on down. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, you're also not going to know who your, who the conference yeah. champs are going to be. You know, it's harder to predict conference champions, I think, than it is to predict regional champions. Like, everyone knew, especially in the week of regionals, knew that Texas and Arkansas are going to make <clears> the meet. So everyone knew. Book Texas, book Arkansas. But now you you don't really have that much knowledge about the 32nd conference out there. Like people understood the nine regions and they kind of knew these are like the two to five teams that are typically finishing the top of that region. But people aren't Mm going to know the top top teams in random conferences as well. But I do think you're right that the Power Five is going to – get at least two in per conference and you could use that same principle that you use for regionals for conference 
and Portland could be calling up the Big Ten. I know that's not geographically convenient at all, but they could be calling up the, the Big Ten men's favorites and trying to get in a meet with them or the ACC men's favorites and trying to get in a meet with them. Yeah. More often than not, because they're going to stay local. Yeah. And ge- geographically, they'll probably be more way more likely to, you know, keep it close with Oregon or beat beat Washington. That's probably a more realistic path. But if you're just out there going headhunting, then it would make sense that you go after weak power fives, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. just think that you just hope that the people on the committee know that teams – there's teams out there that can finish fourth in a conference that are actually pretty good. And you just have to understand yeah. like, Hey, it's just, you know, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, if you finish fourth in your conference, you're not a, a top five team in the nation. So like there's, there's not going to be tears sent for you. Yeah. I mean, in the end, like, right. We're kind of going to be, Con- being, it's going to be controversial for the 15th to 20 to the 30th teams, right? Because those are the teams yeah. that they're not, none of them are ever going to win a national title, but it's kind of like interesting of, you know, just making them meet, you know? So no one would, is ever worried which, that Duke basketball won't make the, won't make the tournament. Right. So I want to ask you about individuals because we got an email about individuals and this mm-hmm. one from Kevin says, I think it's time to raise the red flag regarding – yes, this is my burner account – regarding individual qualifiers from the pack Power 5, excuse me, conferences. If I am correct, four individuals qualified from the Big Ten last year, but with 32 auto qualifiers, it is possible that only one of those four would have qualified. Certainly four would not have. Even worse, four Big Ten teams qualified last year, but it appears that some additional conference champ teams would likely qualify under the new criteria rather than going – deep into one conference if fewer than four teams qualify many more great runners will be left out what do you think about that for so basically there are six at large spots for to so it's because you can be second in your conference or second among the individuals in your conference and still make it right because they're gonna i think Mm -hmm. yeah it is gonna be possible but i think what you're just hoping is you're gonna hoping that hey you're in the big 10 hey they take four to five teams from the big 10 therefore Mm -hmm. there you'll be able to either get in as an individual either get in as a member of a team or just get in as an individual but who are the four individuals that made it from the big 10 that weren't on teams that's what I want to know. Last year? Yeah. Uh, I'm, is he talking about the men? Yeah, I don't know who he's talking about. Is he talking about the men? or? Uh, I did not specify in here. Uh, well, let's see. Which, which teams made it from the Big Ten last year? Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, no, Indiana. I mean, I know like George George Kusha probably made it from well the, Nebraska. the at large were but were you and Make Peace? Oh yeah, uh, Gallup is not running Valencia. So ah, confirmed. Okay, where is he running? <laughs> Just kidding. Let's say he's running in Seville. 
individual qualifiers. We should have prepared for this. Well, you know, sometimes the emails come and they surprise you, Gordon. They go a lot okay, of so, directions. Okay, hold on. What? So Morgan Beetlescum. Yep. Qualified individually. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. So the Big Ten is divided into two different regions. So therefore, yeah, mm-hmm. four people did make it. Mortal Beetlescum made it for Michigan State. And then... Uh, Alec Basin of Minnesota made it in the Midwest Regional. Nathan Melenik of Iowa made it. And George Kush of Nebraska made it. Boom. So that's, one out of that's four. his point. It's basically, you're basically, a Big Ten was divided into two, comp, two regions. Now they're one, yeah. technically. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's a disadvantage. My yeah. argument would be... <laughs> For those um, listening a, I, and not watching, Gordon put his hand out as if he was reaching. Your argument is, I hope it all works out. That's your argument. That yeah, well, my argument is, be... is the 38th individual who makes cross-country important? Every person. How many individuals, qualifiers, are All-American any given year? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, that's this a good – Last year. It, I mean, 100%. That's a good that's a good point. I and you're going to have to draw the line somewhere and this year is not going to be it's not going to be perfect because if you start doing two individuals per conference then in some of these weaker conferences you're going to send people who who shouldn't be there. Uh, I guess, I guess you maybe you extend the you extend the at large system would that help? Yeah. So looking at this on the men's side 6 of the 38 individuals finished top 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very small percentage. So like kind of 15% of our individuals are actually good. So yeah, maybe 38 is a, a too big of a number. It's kind of a charity. Why is it 38? Maybe they should make it only 10, right? Well, only six are top well, 40. Come on. NCAA cross country is built around getting all the best teams there and getting superstar individuals there. That's the whole idea. It, it does not weight heavily towards who can be between 50 and 100 on the individual side. Yeah. Is, is that correct? That's how I've always interpreted yeah. the system. It's, it, you know, you, you want to make sure the one superstar who can win the entire thing, who's on a not good team, you want to make sure, like, Lawi Lang needs to be there, obviously. That makes sense. But yeah. beyond that, it's all about teams. Yeah. Yeah, 10 women finished top 40 who were individuals last mm-hmm. year. So 10 women, yeah. 6 men out of 38 each. I think the concern is going to be like yeah, it sucks, but that's going to be one of those th- one of those aspects of this new qualification that through the cracks there are going to be some casualties. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember C- Christopher Ollie who's like a 1340 yeah. guy didn't qualify individually because he was just happened to be in the West regional and he just got beat by four other really good individuals. There's no like, and it just, it was a fluke situation. I feel like that happens, but in the end, as long as we, like you said, as long as we're getting our Lowies, our Kennedy Kathukas, our, um, I'm not Wayne Cloudy's on a team. Who's like a good individual or like our Joyce Camelli's 
or mm-hmm. Mercy Tulane got to Alabama's there. We Mercy! I saw Alabama. You had him number one. That was surprising. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not perfect. I guess though this year, the omissions will be more noticeable because it's a different system and people will just push back about it more because they'll say, well, I know the old system. I would have been able to go. I think people need to just be ready for that fact. And there's a way that this all works out neatly based on qualification and there's a, another path where it is a bit of a mess. I think both things are possible, but you got to win your conference meet. I, if you're an individual, be safe, win your conference meet, and all those teams in those power fives have to try to rack up some some wins um, either in the conference meet or in one of those earlier season meets just to put themselves higher up on the pecking order. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be wild. You're excited. You, I, you hear chaos, and I can just see your ears burning. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, write us in, like Gordon said, indoor preview coming up soon. So if you have indoor questions, send it our way. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to Elon for producing. Lincoln and I will be here tomorrow. We'll talk to you guys then.